0: Mojave Beach Productions.
1: Mojave Beach Productions present Podcast Excursions, a series that listeners may depend on for conversations and observations from individuals who strive to provide quality programs that entertain, educate,
0: and enlighten. Mojave Beach Productions brings you spirit, stars, and the supernatural from its Conversation Theater. Cheryl Schroeder from the Nation of Kansas Kickapoos is the special guest. Your host is Mojave Beach producer Esther Luttrell with her co host, astrologer author Diane Lawson. Long before Sakwe was born, she yearned to be a human child, an Indian child, in fact. Her yearning was manifested though it took a full ten years for her to realize and accept the ramifications of life on planet Earth. Funneled through the spiritual world into an environment where the father was an abusive alcoholic and the mother a severely critical and uncaring parent, the incredibly beautiful baby became an incredibly beautiful six-year-old, physically abused by her grandfather. The gift of life was offset by the curse of thick black hair, doe-like eyes, flawless skin, and later, a figure considered perfect by any standard. The sum of those attributes marked her as prey to the opposite sex. Despite abject poverty on the Kickapoo Reservation, Cheryl, the white man's name for shock me, knew she had a deep relationship with the spirit world, her real home. Doting on a younger sister, she loved nothing more than romping in a crystal-clear creek near their home, and running through fields and along country roads with her sister, Kelly, and drawing pictures of the wildlife she so adored. She even loved her indifferent mother, and those who feared anyone so physically perfect, so keenly intelligent. Death has stalked her almost from the beginning. Her mother died as a result of preservation conditions. Her little sister was murdered. And still the spirit world looked over Cheryl's shoulder reminded her of its constant vigil, of the fact that, while she lives on this planet, she is a child of the universe. How does one reconcile the differences? Who is there to talk to about the companionship of coyotes being preferable to that of mankind? Where does she find answers to questions that seem to have no answers? Still beautiful, still emitting a childlike innocence, Cheryl has so much she wants to say, to ask, to understand. This is Cheryl's story. And this is Cheryl. So, Cheryl, I want to know. I want to know a lot about you. And let's start out by letting me ask you. I remember you telling me that before you were born, you wanted to be a human being. You had an idea of yourself before you were born. So, tell me about it.
2: I remember being a a, a part of a light. And being in outer space like I was a star. And I remember knowing about people and getting to pick what I wanted to be because I wanted to be a person. I wanted to be a Native American because I loved them. And I wanted to have green eyes and wavy hair, and that's how I turned out. But then I got to the womb and (laughs) I overheard conversations and I changed my mind, decided I wanted to be a boy and I couldn't. They said it was too late. And then I was born. (laughs) And I was a girl.
0: And you truly remember all of that? Yeah. Or you sensed it? Did you remember it or sense it? I didn't remember it until after my
2: car accident.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, a bunch of stuff came back. I was having a lot of memory problems. I have a mild brain injury from hitting my face on a car windshield from... My sister and I had gotten in a car wreck and I took my seatbelt off. When I woke up in the hospital, the first thing that I remembered was the... Um, It was like I was a dream or something. I remembered um, like I was swimming or floating or something in outer space, and I was going toward this light. And as I got closer to the light, I felt a layer of plasma. And as I was getting ready to break through this layer of plasma with my face, something grabbed my ankle and pulled me back and said that it wasn't my time yet. And I did have a cut on my ankle that never Mm -hmm. could be explained.
0: Diane is here with us. I invited Diane Lawson because not only is she a a very well-known, very well-accepted astrologer, she seems to have a, a better grasp of spiritual things than almost anybody else I've ever met. When I first met her, I think, what were you, associate pastor at Unity Church?
1: I was a platform assistant. Platform, whatever (laughs)
0: that means, she got there and she read to us, and I liked her immediately. Anyway, uh, she
1: has a book out. What's it called? Uh, Extraordinary Relationships Through Astrology. I just thought, Cheryl, that
0: she would have an unusual understanding and a usual take on some of the things we're going to be talking about today. Diane, have you ever run into anybody who has a memory memory? of wanting to be born, Uh, let me interrupt myself and tell you, I remember Cheryl telling me, describing this one time, she said she felt like an oval without arms or legs, Mm. that she emitted light. Do you remember telling me that?
2: Yeah, that was what I drew. My my first kindergarten (laughs) drawing was exactly of that. And I remember thinking it was weird that I drew that. And I don't know. My mom asking me about it, <laughs>
0: but later after the accident, things became clear. And yeah, everything to you, started you... to
2: kind of make sense to
0: yeah. me. I asked Diane a question, then I just keep talking.
1: <laughs> well, the, the answer to your question is yes. I've heard a lot of stories like that. Really, uh, as an astrologer, and also I used to be a social worker. People tell me things that they don't tell anybody else. They tell me the way they really perceive the world, and it's interesting that you experienced yourself in, in regards to the light, because I have had other people regress me so that I remember past lives. And I remember myself being part of the light. And I, it was absolutely hard to explain because I was me, but I was also part of the light, but I was not separated. And that was between lives. I I died in that life, and then I went to this light between lives before I came here. So it was interesting for me personally to hear your story.
0: How do you confirm that to yourself?
1: Well, that that I actually had that past life? Uh I was regressed by a friend when I lived in Montana, and he was guiding me. It was like guided imagery or hypnosis. He was guiding me to remember this past life. I came up with really specific things like 1750 in what is now North Carolina. And I was male and this other person was male. And I was so heavily engrossed in that life that I did not let him know much about it. And he was trying to talk me and guide me. And I was just blowing him off. He was a friend of mine.
0: You're talking about the hypnotist? The hypnotist.
1: Anyway, so about a month later, a very short time later, I came to Topeka, and I went to the School of Metaphysics. And they had somebody come from Missouri to read the Akashic Records and tell me about my past life. And they came up with that I was male, this other person was male. It was 1750 in what is now North Carolina. So and it
0: it confirmed. Oh it confirm, my gosh! Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh! And she didn't know me, and nobody on earth knew that. So she was either reading about my past life, or she was reading my mind. the The two stories were very detailed. What I remembered, and what she came up with, and there was no other way to explain it.
0: So the idea that Cheryl has this memory before she was born. Right. We're not talking about a past life. We're talking about between births, right? right? Between lives. What happened those first 10 years, Cheryl? Because you said, you were telling me once that you were 10 years old before you had a full understanding that you had arms and legs and what they were all about. Prior to that time, you thought it was odd that you had them.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I don't think I became uh, aware of having fingers and toes until it was something in uh, grade school where we, you know, where when I was socializing with other humans, I guess.
0: So you, you were 10 when you realized that you had arms and legs. Would it just dawn on you one day as you were taking a bath or something? Uh,
2: no, we had to draw a picture. and I don't know. I just drew the picture. And I might have been about six when I re- came to that realization. I I'm I have a hard time putting a time stamp on different memories from my past childhood. Uh, my father was a paranoid schizophrenic, so a lot of strange and crazy things happened.
0: Do you think, that you were envisioning before you were born, being a part of that family, even though you went to be an Indian child and you were a Kickapoo, did you ask to be born into that family?
2: I think I did to help those people and to be able to understand mental illness in a way, in a more profound way than a professional can because I'm actually experiencing living in it, living with a severely mentally ill parents. And, and you
0: loved your mom. I remember yeah. you told me that she she told you you were in the way. Uh, she that, told me I
2: ruined her life when I was, like, a little kid.
0: Yeah, I remember you telling me how much you loved to fix her hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you loved her. Yeah. Uh, did she ever return your affection?
2: Maybe in small ways. that Like, she'd come up to the top of my head and put her fingers on it. Like, um, I don't know how to describe the emotion I'm doing. <laughs> Like, just sort of massaging
0: the top yeah, of kind of your massage the gently. top of
2: my head, and that would be you know pretty much that was our her affection. Touch of affection. Yeah. Do you think she was the mother that that you requested though? I don't know about that. Um, I do think that I picked my parents so that I was able to live more of a um, feral child type of a life, because my parents weren't responsible human beings, and um, I just kind of raised myself.
0: You did. You had an older sister.
2: Which, no, younger sister. I
0: thought you had an older no, sister as well.
2: I'm the oldest of five.
0: So you took care of everybody? Yeah, and I did. Took care. But uh, Diane, is there anything new here? Or is this all very familiar to you?
1: Well, I hear a lot of just incredible stories. I, the world is much, much different than our society is telling us it
0: is. Isn't that true? Yeah, you know, I, I have a saying, everybody, I love to quote myself here, but my saying is that The only thing that is real is that which we cannot see.
1: Because everything Mm
0: -hmm. else is man-made and contrived. And So the only truth is that which we cannot see. It's unchangeable. Your your dad wasn't full-blooded Indian, was he?
2: No, actually, I tried um, getting some information about the bloodline on my father's side because I have paperwork for my mom's. Or my dad's dad has two slave names, so... I was trying to find, like, who his ancestors are, and I had a little trouble, and I found plantations instead. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But he
0: was Indian, though. Yeah. Because they were the first slaves, as I understand it.
2: Yeah, I think so. Well, we don't know a whole lot about it, that his mother had gave him away because she couldn't afford to feed him. And so I don't know how he ended up in a plantation, but his name was, like, Harrison Williamson. Hmm. And the, I don't know. So I just thought that was weird. Name. And he didn't, yeah. And he didn't have like an Indian name that's like recorded or anything. And the bloodline's not recorded. So I don't even know what branch of Apache it is. Or like, I don't know what they call it. Like,
0: was he? You Nation. think pure Apache, though? No,
2: I'm pretty sure he was mixed breed. She was saying he had um. Who she? my aunt Janice, mm-hmm. my father's oldest sister. Mm-hmm. She was telling me that the information that she had received, he was a mix between German and the, the Apache. I don't know what the quantum is on, on that.
0: And then he, so somewhere in there, he met your mother.
2: My mom was a kickapoo. She's half federally recognized, uh, Kansas Kickapoo. And, and
0: anything else?
2: My father was 18 and my mom was 15.
0: And were they that, that young when you were born? Uh, um,
2: yeah, my mom was, um, she turned 16 five days after.
0: So she was like a sister to you only not. not a yeah, kind sister. of not
2: a very good sister. <laughs> no, I actually was more like a big sister to her.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. You came, you arrived more mature than they did. Yeah,
2: and I think that I was placed in that family for that reason. And my dad used to always tell me I came from the stars, but, you know, finding out that he had schizophrenia, I didn't believe anything he said. (laughs) So, you know, I just kind of, people dismiss things that uh, people don't want to believe as insanity. And maybe it's not. I mean, I think there's a lot of mentally ill people out there that are having spiritual problems, and it's being labeled as a mental illness, and I think that's sad.
1: What do you think about that? Well, I would agree. Um, I, I think a lot of people who do have mental illness are psychic. It's It's hard to tell what is mental illness and what is psychic because they're often together. Why did your parents choose to come to Topeka and live on the Kickapoo Reservation.
2: Um, when I was 18, I moved my family up here. I had gotten um, some Indian money for s- some Chicago, Illinois property or something, where the BIA, like, I don't know, they owed me money. <laughs> I don't know, I don't really <laughs> fully understand it, but I'm on the roll enough that they owed me for my land. Mm. And um, I took that money and I gave it to my family. In exchange, I asked my grandmother to have my mom put in drug and alcohol treatment and to take care of my brothers and sisters. Because so My grandma's always been connected to the Kickapoo Reservation because that's her home oh. where we own land.
0: And so even though you were taking care of your parents and you were going through all this, your grandfather physically abused you when you were six years old. But yeah. he also physically abused his own daughter, your mother. Yeah. Did that make you afraid of men from then on? Or did you feel that you were spiritually embraced and protected? Do you remember what your reaction was to that?
2: Actually, my reaction was I prayed to God, for God to make it stop happening. I didn't understand it, but I knew I didn't like it, and I knew I had to be an obedient child, so I had to listen when I was told to do what I was told to do, but I didn't want to do it. So I asked God to intervene, and God sent my mentally ill uh, father to try to kidnap my mom, and my grandpa tried to shoot him. My dad snatched the shotgun from him, beat him with his own shotgun and kidnapped my mom and my brother and me and my grandma and my cousin helped get my grandpa in the truck and took him to the hospital in topeka and they sent him to the va and he never woke up from the coma but that was god intervening for a little child
0: you feel like that was the answer to your prayer it was i only- do
2: i didn't then at that time i didn't understand and the whole situation was really scary and i still have Really bad flashbacks of it. but also I got a gift that uh, from from that experience, you know, being able to um, what was the gift? Something us? took me, pulled me out of my body, my spirit, I saw myself floating up through the ceiling and out into the woods. and then when I woke up or whatever had happened, Everything was done, and I was fine, and then I prayed that it never happened, and it never happened again.
0: That was during the sexual abuse, you mean?
2: Yeah, well, um, I left my body during the sexual assault, yes. Yes. And um, then I started beating up boys, and I got pretty good at it,
0: (laughs) and I was real good at wrestling and stuff, and I don't know. But you, you were six years old, and you had presence of mind enough to pray. To talk oh, to most God. definitely, yeah. Did you talk to God a lot? I, I all the time. And was the God that you talked to the God of the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, uh, or was He the Spirit that you had heard so much about with the Kickapoo Nation, the one that your tribe talked to, or are they one in the same? Kind of one and the same, but there's <laughs> they put it. They
2: put it about physical stuff, and God isn't about that. The only thing physical God cares about is the living physical beings that he created or he, she, it, they, because when I was with God, I was a part of God. I was God and I was the trees and I was the sky and I was the air and I was the water and I was the plants and the animals and that's what God told me and I know it's the truth. I know it is. I feel it.
0: When did that happen?
2: I've always known. Sometimes I start to lose faith when things like, when my grandpa was abusing me, I, I was starting to lose faith, even after I prayed, you know, but then my, my father came in and restored my faith again, in a weird
0: way. Yeah. What do you think about all of this, Diane?
1: Well, I think, I think um, gosh, I don't know what to think. I think I want to hear the rest of the story.
0: <laughs> your father being schizophrenic and an alcoholic and your mother having her own set of problems, Did were you exposed to any spirituality as a child, other than what you brought to the planet within yourself?
2: Actually, my grandma was uh, kind of a good mentor for me. Uh, From a very early age, taught me about plants, plant medicine. That's how she always took care of herself. My grandma was, when she passed, she was a bachelor's um, in science of nursing. And I read all of her books because I admired my grandma. She was a great person.
0: And she was Kickapoo? 100% yes, Kickapoo? Yes.
2: And she knew a lot of the old ways. And she told me a lot of stuff secrets, so was secret. So it's kind of hard for me to talk about some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, don't but tell us your secrets. Yeah, no. no. I, would...
0: I remember you took me out to the reservation. And at that time, uh, somebody had offered me possible funding to do a documentary about the conditions of the reservation. You took me to a creek where you said you could remember it bubbling and all clear. And at that time, if you scooped a glass into it and brought up the drinking glass, it looked like chocolate milk. It was horrible. And yet that was the drinking water that is dispersed throughout the reservation. Yep. So did, do you, did you feel that those conditions had something to do with your mother's early death? Almost oh, definitely, we're there's a sign over on a reservoir that says
2: no fishing because mercury levels are really high. And yeah. they're not keeping the birds out of there though.
0: So they're they're saying <sighs> mercury is in there, and yet it's the very water that you all are getting out of your Yes.
2: Pack.
0: And that's the way it is right now. Yeah. But I'm saying the conditions are the same. No oh, yeah, is, the, the conditions are horrible. No one is doing anything to change the Oh, no, not at
2: all. They put up a sign after me and you visited, and I was complaining.
0: What did the sign say?
2: That there's a mercury in there.
0: Oh, that well, that's That, that's, that
2: was, the, that's, it's resolved. There's a sign. Everyone knows.
0: So as you drink it, you, you know. Well, I've seen
2: that's... the elders down there fishing, and they'll eat the fish because they don't have anything else to eat. I mean, what are they going to do? So
0: now we're back to your mission here. Yeah. Let, let me get back to something else. You got to be, let's say, sixteen, seventeen, right in there. Why didn't you ever leave?
2: I love them. They're my family. They're my people. I want to be able to do something better for them. I dream of it all the time. I've, I've, I've had daydreams of building a medicine lodge. Like this big place where it's got a community fire, and people can say, like, to, um, they're trying to sober up from drugs or alcohol or something, or if they're in an abusive relationship and they need a place to run and hide, then I want to be able to have that type of uh, accommodations for them in a way where it's not going to cost anything. And then. When the people stay there, they can help out with the community, doing gardening or helping with, I, I like to rescue animals too. I wanna rescue people and animals. I love the earth, that's why I came here.
0: I'm gonna ask Diane. All right, Diane, you've done a lot of study on past life and on regressions.
1: hmm
0: How much do you think this is coming from past life experiences or is all of this something that was given to her, do you think, in between births she hasn't said anything that makes me wonder about a past life for her being the same it all sounds as if god has appointed her come here and do all of this work and yet she had to go through so much to in a way test your faith because it's never faltered yeah no matter what
1: I don't know if I would say that God has sent her, um, but as she was saying that she and God are one, so it's how, how do you know if it was God or how much of it was her choice. Right. But I I think that nobody will be better equipped than she is to understand abuse and alcoholism and mental illness, and it's because she experienced that. And so it I think it's terrific that she decided to use what, in in a lot of ways, were negative experiences, but she's wanting to flip them and not only heal herself, but help others heal too.
0: I think she's remarkable in that I've gotten emails from her where she was terrified. You sounded terrified. You didn't know what to do next. Uh, and This was when your grandchild, oh, Natalie, yeah, was
2: going
0: do you, do you want to tell the story about Natalie? I won't, I won't insist if you don't.
2: I don't think I can handle doing it right now. Right. I can tell bits and pieces. The one thing that stuck in my mind when I was thinking about the podcast today, while I was in the hospital with Natalie, a green ball rolled down the hallway really slow and nobody was moving it. And it rolled around in the room. Not just rolled into the room, it moved on its own in the How room. How big was it? It was the size of the balls they use for um, kickball.
0: Was it luminous?
2: It seemed to, to kind of glow because of the shade of green. It was kind of a neon green.
1: Now, do you think it was a physical ball, a real ball? or It a ball was a physical light? ball. Oh, I got okay. the
2: ball and picked it up and okay. asked the nurse, where did this ball came from? Did anybody see anybody kick it in there? I had to question reality.
0: And then I had to leave the building for a little bit and go and pray by myself. Do you think it, do you think it was some sort of a message that you weren't alone?
2: I'm not sure if that was a ghost that was bringing in the ball or if that was Natalie wanting to play with her grandma.
0: But there is certainly no answer in the in the real that makes any sense. Now, something we haven't talked about, and again, I'm not, I I do want to say that Natalie was how old, four years old? She was six when she passed. Was she six? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we oh. had her for a little while.
0: I didn't know All she right. was that old. I, the yeah. pictures of her, she was so cute. She has these little chipmunk cheeks mm-hmm. and that... Those beautiful, beautiful brown eyes that just always twinkled. No matter how sick she was, she had the sweetest smile. Yep, she was the happiest child. Amazing. All right, we were not going to talk about that, but now I'm going to bring up something that's equally sad. You adored your younger sister Kelly. Yeah, and and she was murdered. Yes, and again, you were her caregiver. How did you handle that, honey?
2: I just did it. I was put here to care for other beings. And um, I don't know, all the teachings from all the different religions tell us to watch out for the other, the meek ones and the little animals and the little children and our elders who can't fend for themselves. So it's my duty to do
0: these things, to watch over my sister, to watch over my mom. And And you're determined, I know. And you have gone through so much just in the year I've known you. And you still, you keep drawing, and she sends me these wonderful pictures she does of coyotes because she likes coyotes a whole lot. Yeah, and they there's like a whole you. other story. And they it. like you. Yeah. So astrologically, Diane, would it help her to know, astrologically, what her future holds? Or, or would that just frighten her weigh well, in on this? Well,
1: you know, I am an astrologer, and I do forecasts for people. However, I think more important than anything going on astrologically are the choices we make. I see astrology as kind of like a weather forecast. We can choose whether or not we want to go out on a picnic when it's a sunny day or, you know, take an umbrella with us if it might rain. I, I think astrology can be extremely helpful. But I also think that we can, we can choose. I mean, I think when I look over my life, most of my life, especially as an adult, when I have control, my life, where I am today is because of the choices I've made. And when I was 21, I certainly didn't know that choices I made when 21 would be with me for the rest of my life. Isn't that true? But I, I think it's very helpful. And that's why I'm an astrologer. I think it's helpful to know, I use it uh, to time things, when to take, an important trip, or when to submit an important manuscript, or when not to. I think it'd be really helpful to know what's what's coming. Sometimes you can't do anything. I knew 2020 was going to be a horrible year, and I was dreading it coming for quite a while. Um, I didn't know all the particulars, but I knew it was just going to be very, very hard for many individuals and for the the world. Sometimes, you know, knowing it's, you no, know, it's not always helpful because we can't control everything. But yeah, I think, I think it can be helpful. I think it's helpful. or I wouldn't be doing it.
0: And, and you've been doing it for how long now?
1: Well, I've been a professional astrologer since 1973. So it's been a long, long time.
0: You know, one day we've got to do a show where we just talk about mm. you and astrology. But right now, you don't see a way astrologically that anything could be beneficial for her, could brace her for something coming. She's always taken by surprise. I mean, she, oh. she is. Even <laughs> if these things keep happening to her, she's I always see, surprised. Esther, I see them. I just
2: can't do anything about it. Like when my sister died, I had dreams oh, and visions of it. Yeah. And I told her about it and I, I uh, made her go to drug and alcohol treatment and it still did not change the uh-huh. outcome. But I did get the warning. I do know when things are gonna happen. I do see that. Like I saw with Natalie, I just didn't wanna admit it. So I did what I needed to do so she knew that I loved her.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. there's no way she could miss that. You devoted your life to that
1: little girl.
2: I try to do the same for Mm -hmm. the rest of my family. They Mm -hmm. just don't see it sometimes Mm -hmm. when they're so close, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: You know, Esther, another response I have to what you just asked me, if it would be helpful to know, I've, I've known on several occasions of relatives who are going to die. And so it was really helpful for me to, to make a trip to California, to say goodbye, to do what I needed to do. It, so I think, it's been, I think sometimes it's extremely helpful, even with the bad stuff.
0: Uh, if you could have anything you want right now, honey. Now I'm talking to Cheryl. What would help you achieve what you want to achieve? Oh, I
2: just wanted my own salon so I can go to work and then be able to have spare time to do my art. (laughs) Art's important to people. That's part of our spirituality. When God spoke to me, God spoke to me in images that gave me feelings that told me the truth. So I think that that is what
0: art is. I gave a talk at a place called Midland Hospice one time. Somebody said uh, something about not believing in God. And uh, Diane, you remember Dwayne Herman? Mm -hmm. Remember him? Mm -hmm. I loved his answer. He spoke right up and he said, describe this God you don't believe in because I probably wouldn't believe in him either. (laughs) Isn't that a great answer? So everything Mm -hmm. is a matter of perception, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And your perception of God, Cheryl, it sounds so pure, so true he's with you always he's never let you down despite what happens to you on planet earth you have a reason for being here for for shepherding people through these horrible times what is your reward helping other people (laughs) i don't know if if you help
2: somebody else out there's a certain joy inside that you can't get from anywhere else that's true I don't know how to explain it without being corny.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, that's how things get corny. Somebody says a truth, and it's so remarkable and so new and so fresh, and because it's so real, it's repeated until it becomes corny. But it starts because it's so absolute truth. So your mission then is to one day have this log house where you can have your people come and find a place to rest, find a place to heal. Well, I
2: want to start it on my reservation, and then I want it to spread to all the other reservations. because Just
0: Kickapoo, or you mean other nations? I'm talking
2: about all the nations. I want everybody to start doing sweats and start praying and start helping their people to sober up. I mean, a big part of why our society is falling apart is because we're not showing each other God's love.
0: Isn't that the truth? Well, you know, I love the countries that say I believe in God. Do you believe in God? Cuz if you don't believe in the same God I do, I'm going to blow you up. <laughs> <laughs> How could there be
2: a different God? There's only one God. The God that created all things. If your God does not is not part rock, then your God is a fantasy God, I guess. I don't know because That doesn't make any sense to me any other way i mean scientifically if you thought about it what is god god is energy the energy that's inside of you the energy that's inside of me the rock the cat the tree the water the grass it's all the same it all comes from god and it is that light and we all have it inside of us and yet god speaks to you yes
0: so there is a spirit of god
2: Oh, most definitely. Then God
1: has angels and such. Well I don't have any angel experiences. I've had some amazing coincidences that may have been angelic. I don't know how to explain them, but I. Well, what
0: happened to the ghost story?
1: Well, I've lived in lived in two haunted houses. And the first one, uh, when I came moved back to Topeka, I moved into a house. And I had three kids and I had an ex-husband who was hanging around a lot. And, right. and all five of us independently heard talking and laughing and footsteps and stomps. And I, I was going to the School of Metaphysics at the time and I asked the director of the school, how do you get rid of ghosts? And she said, you can just tell them to leave. And you're in the physical And so you're stronger than they are in the spiritual and they have to leave so I stood in my living room and I ordered them out and then they they did leave and we didn't have any more problems with them but while the ghosts were there my two-year-old son spent most of his time up in the attic talking to Sue and Dan years later I thought I'm gonna do some research to see if there was ever a Susan who lived, a Sue and Dan who lived in that house. So we, we went to the library when we found out all the people who had lived in the house and there were only two people who lived in that house before we did and both of them were named Susan. And one Susan was Susan Downey. And I'm kind of wondering if my two year old was saying he was talking to Susan Downey instead of Susan Dan. But anyway, years later, when the new phone book came out, I always look at my husband's name and my name in the phone book to sh- make sure the phone number's right. And it always has been, and I don't know why I always check, but when I looked up my husband's name in the phone book, exactly on top of, the, of his name was the name of the person who lived in that house I was talking about. And I thought, well, that's a sign I'm going to call her up. And ask her if anything unusual is going on in that house. And if she said no, I'd just say, okay, well, thanks, goodbye. (laughs) But anyway, I called her up and I said, I lived in, you know, your house, uh, 1980 to 1984. And I was just wondering if you knew anything unusual, if there was anything unusual going on in the house. And she paused a long time and she said, I'm so glad you called and she and her children are experiencing the noise as we did you know the the walking the talking the laughing and um i th- i thought it was pretty interesting that i we got what i thought was um you know evidence that you know maybe what we were experiencing is, is still going on. So, yeah, that that's one of my ghost stories. I, I've, I could tell more, but that's... You and I could do a whole show right. on nothing but ghost stories <laughs> right. because I've had
0: so many experiences, as you know, and I wrote about, you know, some of them in my book, Dear Dean, Love Mom, mm-hmm. and some about them in Evidence of God. But here's what I find truly fascinating. And I have friends who will not be able to listen to this program mm-hmm. because it's so far from anything they can believe or accept. My answer to that is I'm just reporting I'm not telling you how it happened or mm. even why mm. I am telling you this happened and I don't smoke funny stuff <laughs> it happened now why must I censor telling you that just because your sensitivities won't accept it you know don't call me a liar I'm mm. gonna I, I mean, I get a addled pretty easily but I don't get that confused Mm-hmm. that uh, that I think these things happen, because they do happen, and they happen as solid as anything that goes on mm-hmm. in, in this real, real, as in quotes, world. I believe there is a connection between spirits, if you know them, ghosts if you don't, what uh, Cheryl is telling us she experienced when she feels she was sent here, and all of these negative things happen, and yet she never loses her faith. I believe that God is in God is in everything that happens. You can't take it out and say, oh, God is a Sunday event. I mean, he's not a prisoner, and we get a, a, a pass to go see him on Sunday mornings. Some people say, oh, I don't go to church. Well, what do they think? They're going to go visit God?
2: It doesn't really matter.
0: (laughs) Right, You are supporting one another. And then you choose among you who is the wisest, who knows the most about this subject, and he becomes your minister, your leader. It is not about the almighty collection plate. Everything has a common denominator, and I believe that God is as connected to a psychic impression, to the answer to a prayer. You know, we say, people say, I don't believe that, There's life outside of Earth. We had an alien visitor. He came from someplace else, and his Mm -hmm. name was Jesus, and that's documented. He was a real person. He was here. We have documentation. So don't say you don't believe in life in other places. (laughs) We had an alien visitor that we actually pay homage to. So it's all (laughs) very mysterious, and yet... I think we clutter it up and make it much more complicated than it is. The simplicity is that we are God's children, and we are on this planet, and that you know since you entered this room an hour ago, we've gone 600 miles in space where no man has gone before. (laughs) This planet takes us 600 miles down the line every hour, and we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. I find it really funny when someone, oh, believe your stories, I'm a meat and potato man. Oh, really? You wanna tell me, I only believe what I can really see. I mean, I'm for the hard stuff. This concept of heaven and hell makes me insane because uh, Earth is a round ball. And if you're one place on it and you're pointing up, you think that's heaven. But if that's heaven, when you're pointing up, Australia is in a lot of trouble. That's <laughs> <Not laughs> right. Those poor guys. <laughs> because every place is up. Every place is up. So Jesus came from another place. And I, I would assume it's actually a planet because mm. there are a lot of them out there. Mm. So anyway. Okay. Anybody want to wind this up and uh, tell us your last brilliant thoughts? I, I want to see all the
2: people start taking care of them each other and start not being afraid to, to show love for your fellow man or your fellow being. Stop hating people over their sexual identity. I mean, that's not your business and God wouldn't like you to be that way anyways. Stop being mean <laughs> to people about their color. What does it matter? I mean, we're all human beings. So when you break it down on a microscopic level, there isn't anything different.
1: That's true, Diane? Mm-hmm. Well, I just really uh, resonate with and admire her beliefs that we're all one.'re yes. We're all connected. she is all she is part of God and everything is part of God. And one of the reasons why I like astrology so much is it is saying exactly the same thing that the planets do not cause us to do anything they mirror us there's a correlation and a connection between the planets and us but there's not a causal connection but but it just shows it's one indication that we're all part of one thing we're all, we're, we're all part of, the, of a larger cosmos so, Right.
0: but I, I want to say one thing to people who are saying right now well I just don't believe in that planet stuff I think that's just stupid <laughs> pray tell do you not believe that the tides rise and fall? What do you think causes that? It's the pull from the moon. Do you not believe that we have these flares that leave the sun and head our direction that interfere with all kinds of radio signals, that interferes with weather? There, In fact, let me, let me tell you this. When the moon is full... The police department know they're going to have a, ba- a whole bunch of problems because people bleed more when the moon is full. So if they're shot, it's going to be much more serious than when the moon isn't full. We can deny all we want. We can call it astrology and say, oh, foo-foo, that's just stupid. But we're going to go fishing when the tide is right. And we're going to be aware that the weather is caused by sun conditions. We see a ring around the moon and we say it's going to rain we can't dismiss things out of hand because we don't immediately understand don't dismiss it just relax and be a part of it and you know we're doing a whole series called uh, on purpose healthy Mm. on purpose forgiving on purpose Mm. loving on purpose
2: mindful on purpose that's Mm -hmm. the thing people are talking about now be mindful be aware of what your actions are doing to another person what your presence in society how that affects other people or are you out there spreading positivity and love
0: well read the news and <laughs> <I, I, laughs> yeah i know to that one girl i, yeah, I, know. I, all right. I don't watch the news we're gonna wind this up now thank you guys thank you cheryl thank you diane god bless i hope this join well. me again sometime and let's let's go a bit further with this <laughs> and let's exchange these ghost stories okay all right bye-bye thank you Podcast Excursions has brought you Spirit, Stars, and the Supernatural from its Conversation Theater. Mojave Beach producer Esther Luttrell was your host, and the co-host was Diane Lawson. Your special guest was Cheryl Schroeder.
1: This is Jeff Evans, thanking you for listening to an episode from Podcast Excursions programs that listeners can depend on for conversations and observations that strive to provide quality programs created to entertain, educate, and enlighten. Patrick McGranahan was your announcer as well as executive in charge of production. Esther Luttrell was host and producer. Recording rights to the theme Whispering Rain, composed and performed by Tony Ballou, was made possible through the courtesy of Jack Allen.
0: Mojave Beach Productions. I just want to take a moment to thank you for soaring with us on the wings of imagination as you listen to stories we're having so much fun creating for you. If you enjoy what you hear, take a moment to subscribe to Mojave Beach Productions on your favorite podcast app. And thanks a million.